Grace, mercy, and peace are yours in the name of the triune God. Will you please join me in the call to worship? Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, Lord, who could stand? I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than those who watch for the morning.
Jesus declares that he has come to call not the righteous, but sinners. So let us confess our sin, trusting that God will hear us and forgive. Let us pray. Eternal God, you make all things new and forgive old wrongs we cannot forget. We confess that we have walked too far and for too long down the wrong paths. Forgive our past, we pray. Do not let evil cripple or shame us. Lead us into your future, free from sin, free to love and serve your Son, our Savior. In his name we pray. Amen. mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. Friends, this is the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are here. The peace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Let us share the peace of Christ with one another. and peace to all of you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's good to have you here worshiping with us on this beautiful Lord's Day here at IPC. We are especially uh, glad to have any of you who happen to be visiting with us today. We are thrilled that you are worshiping here. I would hope that you will find this to be a warm and welcoming place and perhaps a church home for you in the future. And as always, special welcome to those of you joining us online wherever you happen to be t uh, this morning. We are glad that you are with us. Uh, if at some point, if you're able to reach the friendship pad located uh, in the back of the pew there near the center of the aisle, fill those out and pass those to one another so that we might know that you are here today and worshiping with us. Uh, just a couple of uh, reminders and announcements. Um, reminder that, um, well, first of all, actually, I want to say a huge thanks to anyone who helped out yesterday with the Ukrainian Freedom Festival over at Highland Hall. It was a wonderful event. A ton of people were there. I know that our Ukrainian neighbors here in town were especially grateful uh, for us to host that, but thank you to everybody who helped 
take part in that and made that happen. I know it was an important thing for, for our community. So thank you. It was a wonderful event yesterday. Uh, and just a couple things coming up, though. Reminder that tomorrow night is uh, Beer and Hymns is back. So over at Iron City Grill, music starts at 7. Uh, you can come earlier and order some food, too, if you'd like. But uh, it's a wonderful time together. If you haven't done this, I really encourage you to give it a try. We, we just have a great time uh, on Monday nights uh, at Beer and Hymns, singing songs and together and eating some food and just having good fellowship. It's a great time. I uh, hope to see you there tomorrow. Also on Wednesday, for all you parents out there, whether little kids or bigger kids, uh, we're having a special summer supper soiree over at the clubhouse on Highland across the park here from 5.30 to 8.30. So we hope you'll sign up to come to that. It should be a lot of fun. Um, so, uh, and if you've got kids uh, who are coming to Kids Rock Wednesday nights, they will be able to stay the entire time. So um, you'll not have to go get them in the middle. So we hope to see you on Wednesday. Also a week from Tuesday, August 29th, is our next lunch bunch. And we will be gathering at Civitas over in English Village at 11.30 that day. So we hope you'll sign up to come and join us with the Lunch Bunch next week. Uh, also, I hope some of you got the chance to hear from our group that went to Israel uh, just during this past Sunday School Hour in Highland Hall. Uh, get to hear some of their stories and see the pictures of what they did. Uh, next Sunday, there's another special opportunity for you as we continue to have um, uh, one large Sunday School class together. It's going to meet upstairs in the Great Hall. We have Community on the Rise, a wonderful organization that uh, we work with as a church. They're the ones with, for whom we, we, we save the number five plastics and recycle those. Uh, our foundation has supported them. They're going to be here next Sunday. Uh, their whole group's going to be here to, to do a presentation on homelessness. It's the first of a three-part series that uh, our community ministry is putting on about poverty and barriers to prosperity. So we hope you plan to come to the Sunday School Hour next week. Just meet upstairs in the Great Hall uh, to hear from Community on the Rise. Also, this morning we, we started a new series uh, out in the garage uh, of Highland Hall, uh, which is primarily for our Bridges and Crossroads classes on prayer. And the Reverend David, Se David Seaman has begun leading that class. It's a six-week class, so there's still five more. If you are interested, we hope you'll go and take part in that as well. Uh, and also, uh, I, I'm sure we're all just devastated uh, about what's been going on in Maui with the fires. Um, we put a link in the weekly email on Thursday if you would like to make a contribution to Presbyterian Disaster Assistance, who I'm sure is doing whatever they can out there. But if you have a check and you'd like to make a donation too, you can just put PDA or Maui or Fires or something in the memo line so we know what it's for. We will make sure that money uh, gets included with the money that the church is already sending, our community ministries are sending some money to. So uh, we hope that you will take part in that to help out from this devastating need um, in our country. And at this time, I would like to invite Alan Sidner up for a moment for mission. Good morning. Uh, for the, some of you who do not know who I am, I'm Alan Sidner, and for uh, about 18 years, I was involved as an adult leader with, the, with Troop 28, which is sponsored by uh, this congregation. Uh, some of you are very familiar with scouting, some are not, so a little bit of history. Uh, scouting originated in England in 1907 and was brought to the United States in 1910. Thirteen years later, the men's club of uh, IPC decided to start Troop 28. They built a scout hut that remained where the education building uh, was built in 1956 until that time. And so the troop for many years had a, a hut that was right here on the property. And you can see a picture of it 
Uh, and on page 49 of Ford and Faith, we have a copy open to that out in the living room if you want to see it. The mission of Boy Scouts as an organization is to prepare young people to make ethical and moral choices over their lifetime by instilling in them the values of the Scout Oath and the Scout Law. That is a lofty and worthy goal, but having been involved as an adult leader close to 20 years, I can assure you that the program works. I know there are many in this congregation who agree with me because they have seen the impact of it on their own sons. For those of you who may not be familiar with scouting, I'm using a term, Scott Law and Scott Oath, that you may not really know what it is. A scout has, is, it's important to understand that the basic 12 principles of the scout uh, law is that they com scouts commit to try to live by these important parts of who we are. To be trustworthy, loyal, helpful, friendly, courteous, kind, obedient, cheerful, thrifty, brave, clean, and reverent. The first 11 of these we all recognize as the foundation of the very best relationships we can have in our lives. The 12th is a focus on the importance of faith, a relationship with God that can be the glue that holds us all together. As part of the Skype oath, a Skype pledges that they will do their duty to God and country and live by the scout law. Scouting is a non-political, non-denominational organization. Neither the scout law or oath contains any reference to a scout's size, appearance, class standing, or physical ability. Scouting puts everyone in the same uniform and presents a series of challenges and goals that they can take on at their own pace. The outdoors is the classroom. For many of who join scouting, that is way outside of their comfort zone. They have to learn camping, you know, camping skills and how to take care of themselves and others under potentially very adverse circumstances. They build both competence and confidence and learn the importance of teamwork. They have to face and overcome their own fears including the fear of failure. Scouting teaches servant leadership where you put the interests, health, and welfare of your fellow scouts ahead of your own. They all have a turn in planning and preparing meals and taking care of one another, and also learn that part of that is actually cleanup, which is not a particularly popular part of it. Mentoring is a critical component with older scouts teaching younger scouts the skills they need to know. For the most part, once we have scouts who know the skills, the adults stand back and let them run the troop. We're there for safety. We're there for, to mentor the older scouts as needed and just be there really for the security in some cases of the parents knowing their children are okay. You have to learn a skill and teach a skill to advance. And advancement is the key to the program because it is a positive reinforcement for a good job done on things that some scouts never thought they could do. To my knowledge, scouting is the only youth organization that intentionally blends 
youth ranging from 11 to 17 as part of the program. It is extraordinarily intentional that you have young boys working with older boys in this mentoring relationship. And it is magical to see the response between the two in this organization. The goal of most scouts is to gain the distinction of the rank of Eagle Scout. By the time they have reached the point of being eligible, they will inevitably have learned that they are capable of accomplishing much more than they believed when they started as an 11 or 12 year old. They will have learned organizational and leadership skills, have become confident public speakers. They will have to plan and lead a community service project and will undoubtedly have assisted in many others before they did their own. Our community, general community, is blessed to have a number of Boy Scout troops, but Troop 28 is unique in several respects. Unlike most troops, Troop 28's membership has historically included Scouts from a much broader geographical era, area. During my time as an adult leader, we had, to, uh, we had up to 14 different schools represented and Scouts of many different faiths, including Catholic, Benai, and Hindu. The troop has truly reflected the community in which IPC is located. Scouting is supposed to be fun, and providing adventures is the one of the best ways to keep youth involved. One of the goals of Troop 28 has been to create opportunities for Scouts to be exposed to places and activities that they may not otherwise experience. This teaches them that what you can do in life is limited only by your imagination and willingness to put the time and effort into it. Like every other mission of IPC, adult volunteers are critical to the success of the program. To make it 100 years, IPC has been lucky to have a number of men and women willing to commit their time and resources to Troop 28. There are several people I would like to recognize and thank for their contributions. Merrill Stewart played an invaluable role as chairman of, this of the Troop Committee for many years. He was followed by George Taylor who took on that role. Merrill has always been in the background supporting the Troop and George deserves special recognition for his work with the Scouts to earn the God and Country Award which is one of the most coveted awards to gain in scouting other than being an Eagle. If he is here, I know he is, I say, Kendall Holman, would you stand up please? Kendall is the current Scoutmaster and has been since I retired from being Scoutmaster. He, like many of the Scoutmasters in the troop, is not a member of IPC. I was not a member of IPC when I became an adult leader, but being part of Troop 28 and this congregation uh, actually helped persuade me to be a member of IPC, and I've never looked back and have enjoyed every moment of my involvement with the troop and see the support within this congregation. Of course, it takes more than one or two people to supervise the Boy Scout troop. There are a lot of IPC fathers and mothers who stepped up to help keep the program going, and you will see the names of many IP sons on the list of the Troop 28 Eagle Scouts that's in the handout that you hopefully received when you entered today. There are 200, I believe 207, six or seven names on there. And each, each of those names represents four to six years 
of commitment by that individual to being involved in the scouting and ultimately completion of a service project that benefited the community. Many of those service projects benefited this congregation, the Fresh Air Farm and other things. These, the families that you see that are represented by those single individual names, and there are many others who maybe didn't make the Eagle, but who equally participated and gained, we hope, from being involved. That is the best evidence I can point to the value of this mission of IPC for the last 100 years. However, to ensure that the mission continues, we need to have other IPC families step up and fill the volunteer roles that some of us have filled for many years. The bottom line is you always need new blood for an organization. And when it is built around youth, there's no one better to fill that than the parents of the youth. And there are plenty of others around to support them if they make, decide to make that commitment. I'm sure as we enter the second century, I'm certain that there are plenty of members who feel strongly about the importance of scouting as part of youth program, youth program as much as the men's club did in 1923. Troop 28 enters the next century with its own new scout hut, scout building that is right here on the property. It is a, a result of a gift to the troop, uh, to the benefit of the troop many years ago that ended up being converted to the purchase of that house. I'm also pleased to hear that we have some families within this congregation who have agreed to start a Cub Scout pack. That will be a first, and it's a great signal to me that there are people who care about the program. We hope that the families considering being involved in scouting and maybe another troop elsewhere will think about being supportive of this troop and band together grab a few friends of their friends of their their sons and maybe daughters and continue the tradition of troop 28 that was started in 1923 i made the leap of faith to be involved with troop 28 23 years ago and have never regretted it it was a great investment of my time and when i look at this list i can guarantee you uh, first of all i can't look at this list of names without smiling because I think about these guys from age 11 to 18. I've been in Georgia and I've actually been in the wedding of one of these guys. So you benefit as an adult as well as the boys. I'll tell you that you get paid a lot in return. The second century would also be the best opportunity to really recognize and step forward and have a girl-led troop. The opportunity is there. The facilities are there. It's just the willingness of some moms or women who are willing to, to be leaders to step up and help form that. And there's plenty of old guys with gray hair like me willing to help in any way we can. Thank you very much. Thank you, Alan. Now, as we prepare to hear God's word read and proclaimed, let's turn our hearts to prayer. This prayer by Henry Edmonds. Let us pray. 
O God, send us to the book which tells his story. May the old pages come new to us as we see him moving among them. May the warmth and glow of his life and words burn again into our souls. Meeting him there, may we lay aside every weight and follow him over the hills and far away. For it's in his name we pray, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our first scripture lesson is Psalm 103. Listen now for the word of God. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and do not forget all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good as long as you live so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works vindication and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always accuse, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he removes our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion for his children, so the Lord has compassion for those who fear him. For he knows how we were made. He remembers that we are dust. As for mortals, their days are like grass. They flourish like a field of the, the flower of the field. For the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, obedient to his spoken word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers that do his will, Bless the Lord all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
We are continuing this morning in our sermon series, Why Jesus, as we walk through the second chapter of the Gospel of Mark. This morning, we look at verses 13 through 17. Hear now the word of the Lord. Jesus went out again by the sea. The whole crowd gathered around him, and he taught them. As he was walking along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, Follow me. And he got up and followed him. And as he sat at dinner in Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were also sitting with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the scribes of the Pharisees saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, they said to his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus said, heard this, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have come to call not the righteous, but sinners. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Gracious and holy God, I pray now that you would pour your Holy Spirit through me, that these words might truly become your living word to your people. And I pray that you would open up each of our hearts and minds that we might receive that word exactly in the place that we need to hear it. For we pray this in the name of our risen and reigning Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. I do not think it matters how old we are. I'm sure we can all still remember what it was like when we were growing up and wanted nothing more than to be friends with all the popular kids. Because if you were in with the popular kids, then you got to be included in all the activities, all the games, all the parties, at least all the ones that really mattered. You may have even been invited to sit at the popular kids' table. Now, you felt pretty special if one of the popular boys or girls paid attention to you. And you felt pretty lousy if you were ignored by them, or teased, or worse, excluded. We all hate the feeling of being left out, don't we? These days we all get to continue reliving that awful experience thanks to Facebook and Instagram as we are constantly bombarded with pictures posted so obsessively by all the popular kids and adults who are out having fun and going to parties and going on vacations together without us. Truth of this matter is that even as adults, so many of us still struggle against these feelings that we experienced as kids, still desperately searching for acceptance, to be included, to feel wanted and appreciated and loved, to feel like we belong. Whether we realize it or not, I actually think it's one of the main reasons we post so many pictures like this on social media. We are desperately trying to convince others that, that we are now sitting at the popular kids' table and that we have an amazing life that everyone else should be envious of. Or perhaps more accurately, we're desperately trying to convince ourselves to think that we've made it, that we've 
finally fit in. Well, in Jesus' day, there was a group of people who didn't even bother trying to fit in with everyone else. Tax collectors. After all, they were the most hated Jews in Palestine. For not only did they work for the enemy, for the Romans or King Herod, but they stole from their own people. You see, in order to get the job, they had to bid for the right to collect taxes. But once the amount was set that they had agreed to pay, then they were free to try to collect as much as they want from all the people, taking far more than was actually owed in order to stuff their own pockets. So they were deceitful, manipulative people who were renowned for their dishonesty and their extortion. As a result, their testimony was not accepted in court, and they were not allowed to go into the synagogues. They were outcasts in that community. And on top of that, for the tax collectors who worked in Capernaum, they often came into contact with dirty Gentiles who were passing through with their goods. And so as a result, they were not only morally corrupt, they were also ritually unclean. And so other people wanted nothing to do with them lest you became defiled as well. So tax collectors wouldn't even have bothered posting on social media because they knew full well they would never be friended or accepted or liked. They had made their deal with the devil and there was no going back. Well, in the town of Capernaum, there was a particular tax collector named Levi. And he was sitting one day at his booth collecting tolls for the government and himself. And as he sat there counting all of his money, he saw a crowd of people walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee following the current most popular kid in town, Jesus from Nazareth. This Jesus had sure made quite a splash among all the villagers, and everywhere he went, a huge crowd followed. He was an incredibly charismatic speaker, and he kept telling everyone that the kingdom of God was near at hand, so close that you could touch it. He even performed many miracles, casting out demons and, and healing the sick. He had created a huge stir when he recently told the town paralytic to stand up and walk. But the thing that Levi couldn't stop thinking about wasn't even the fact that that man did precisely that, but that Jesus had told that man that his sins were forgiven. I mean, how could he know that? And how could he just declare it? Now, was it, was it actually possible that God is forgiving? And that Jesus is some sort of prophet who was able to broker God's forgiveness? I mean, how else was he able to do all the things that he did? Of course, none of that really mattered for Levi. I mean, tax collectors like him were far beyond the forgiveness of God. The religious authorities had been very clear about that. After all, they had not only 
sold their soul for money and for possessions and worldly goods, but they had sold their nation as well. And even though deep down, Levi desperately longed to be a part of that crowd, to be near Jesus, to hear such words of grace, he knew that there was no chance of that. This kingdom of God that Jesus proclaimed held nothing for the likes of Levi because he knew that he would never be invited in. Though he would always be on the outside, looking longingly at all the perfect pictures posted by everyone else on social media, reminding him that he would never, ever belong. Now, unless I miss my guess, there's someone here this morning who isn't quite sure that you belong here. Maybe you have struggled to make connections with many people, and it sometimes seems like it's just never going to happen. Though you desperately long for that fellowship, and that community, and that acceptance. Or maybe you look around the sanctuary and see so many other people who seem to have it all together, who are surely far more spiritual and righteous than you. I mean, after all, you know the truth about yourself. You know all the things that you've done, the compromises you have made, the betrayals, the failures, the indulgences. You know how far you have wandered from the path of holiness. And deep down you fear that if everyone else knew the truth about you, that you would not be accepted here, not by the other people in the church, or perhaps even by God. And so you sit there at the edge of the proverbial pool with your feet dangling in the water, trying to decide whether to risk jumping in all the way or just to get out altogether. But be very sure, when it comes to Jesus, there is no sitting on the edge because he is calling you to follow him, but then he keeps moving. So you've got to make a decision about what you're going to do because you cannot remain where you are and still follow Jesus. Well, as Levi was sitting there in his toll booth, daydreaming away, imagining what it would like to be a part of that crowd with Jesus to be included, Suddenly, he looked up to discover that Jesus was standing right in front of him. And then Jesus looked him right in the eye, and in a voice both commanding and yet gracious, said to him, follow me. And somehow, in a split second, Levi's entire life flashed before his eyes. All the choices that he'd made, all the lies. And in that moment, he had to make a decision that would change his life forever. Because if he walked away from his tax booth, there would be no going back. His old life would be, would be over and gone. A new, uncertain life would begin. And as scary as that was, there was just something about this man. 
Something so compelling, so alive, that Levi stood right up, leaving his tax booth and his old life behind. And he followed after Jesus. About the next thing that Levi knew, he was in the middle of a a, a giant dinner party, a great feast, a, a celebration with Jesus and some of his disciples along with some of Levi's fellow outcasts as well, other tax collectors who had also been invited. And none of them could believe what was happening because for the first time that any of them could remember, they were the ones sitting at the table with all the popular kids. Now our text tells us that this dinner party took place at Levi's house. But it is actually unclear from the Greek whether this is happening at Levi's house or Jesus' house. Now if this is taking place at Levi's house, that means that Jesus has allowed himself to be publicly and ritually defiled by becoming a guest at such a sinner's home in order to welcome him into the kingdom. While Levi has become a new man, having opened up his home and his vast bank account to put on such a lavish and generous feast for so many people. But many scholars actually believe that this party is taking place at the house where Jesus was staying, which, as I said last week, may have been the home of one of his disciples. But if that is the case, that means that Jesus himself is the host of this feast, and he has invited notorious sinners into his home in order to eat with them which in this culture was a powerful demonstration of commitment and belonging and acceptance. Of course, this did not go over very well with the religious leaders, for they required there to be clear and concrete evidence of a sinner's repentance before allowing any contact with them. And so as they looked on with horror as this scene unfolded, surely from a very safe distance, they asked Jesus' disciples in anger and disbelief, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? I mean, he's he's defiling himself and everyone with him. When Jesus heard this, he replied, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have come to call not the righteous, but sinners. After all, it is absurd to expect a sick person to get well before allowing them to come to the hospital to seek healing. But that's basically what the Pharisees were doing. Of course, they themselves thought that they had no need for healing because they believed that their careful observance of the law made them right with God. But be very sure, none of us is made right with God because of how carefully we have lived. Are any of us still confused about that? We are all just too deeply infected by the power of sin. And it is the love of God alone that has the power to heal 
the sinner's heart and soul. And yet there's nothing we can do to deserve God's love and grace. We can only receive it as a gift. As one scholar writes, sinners do not have to do something first in order to become welcome recipients, worthy recipients of God's love. They do not have to strive to become worthy and then apply with a glowing resume to become followers of Jesus. One becomes worthy by responding to the call. And Jesus is calling each one of us to respond to his call to follow him, to become a part of his kingdom, to join the party, a block party stretching all the way to heaven itself because God is just so overjoyed that in Jesus Christ, his lost and lonely children have finally been found. Levi responded to Jesus' call and became an honored guest at the biggest party in town while the tax collectors, who were so sure that they were worthy, were left on the outside looking in because they just could not imagine that God was gracious and loving enough to eat with sinners. Perhaps some of you are also having a hard time believing that God could love sinners, especially a sinner like you. But sometimes it is the simple faith of a child that reminds us of the radical nature of God's love. Some years ago, when our girls were much younger, probably four and five, they were playing out in front of our home in Swickley, Pennsylvania. And they found a little roly-poly bug to play with, which Jessica proceeded to unceremoniously squash. So Caitlin came running over to her mother to tell on her sister, saying, Jessica killed a roly-poly. And Jessica, quick on her sister's heels, responded with a casual, yeah, not even attempting to cover up her great crime. So Caitlin said to her, that makes God cry. To which Jessica responded nervously, but God still loves me. It's actually good theology. I believe that our sin does make God cry because it breaks God's heart to see the way that our sin destroys our lives, shatters our relationships, and prevents us from experiencing the abundant life that Jesus was literally dying to give us. And yet God still loves us. He always has. As the Apostle Paul writes, God proves his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, there, there's nothing you can do to make God love you anymore. There's also nothing you can do to make God love you any less. It doesn't matter what you have done in your life. 
Jesus is calling you to follow him, to become a part of his kingdom, not because of anything you have done to deserve it, but because of what God in Jesus Christ has done for you. Of course you don't deserve to be here. None of us do. But you belong here because only sinners are invited. And I'll let you in on a little secret. There are no righteous. So if you are still sitting on the edge of the pool about Jesus, on the outside looking in, your invitation is still open, but you cannot remain where you are and still follow Jesus because he's on the move. So if you want to be a part of his kingdom, a part of his family, then it's time to stand up, to leave your past behind and jump all the way in. Because the great banquet has already begun. And there is a place at the table just for you. And believe me, this is one party you don't want to miss. Amen.
And now I invite us all to affirm our faith using the words of the Apostles' Creed. Christians, what do you believe? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now with joy and gratitude, let us present the fruits of our life and labor to the Lord. Gracious and generous God, you bestow so many gifts upon us each and every day of our lives. We give you thanks for all of the many blessings of our lives and most especially for the gift of your love, your grace, your mercy, for the gift of your Son, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who offers us salvation and new life. We pray that out of the gratitude of our own hearts, you will accept the offerings that we bring to you today. We pray that you will accept these offerings of our time and our talents, our material resources, the gifts of our very lives and the life of this congregation, that you will bless these gifts and multiply them and use them so that others can come to know the love, grace, and mercy of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray, amen.
Let us pray. Our good and gracious God, from the moment we are born, you are there. You are there inviting us into relationship with you, laying a feast before us, a feast of love and grace and mercy and redemption. And even in those moments when we, in our sin, falter and fall and wander away from the path of faithfulness, you are there, your arms open wide, inviting us back into community, back into relationship with you and into your love and your grace and your mercy. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ stands before each one of us as individuals and all of us as a community of faith time and time again, just as he did with Levi so long ago, calling us to follow him along the way, offering us his redemption and salvation and new and abundant life. For all of your goodness to us, we offer you our thanks and praise. As we gather here today, we are aware of those who are most in need of our prayers this morning. And so we lift up to you all who are ill in body, mind, or spirit, all of those who are grieving the loss of a loved one or another kind of loss, those who are enduring a time of turmoil in their minds and their hearts, in their homes and families, on their jobs, wherever they may be experiencing that turmoil, for all who are in a time of doubt in their own life of faith. We also remember not only those in our own midst, O oh God, but your children around the world who are most in need of our love and prayers today. As our community celebrated the Ukrainian Freedom Festival yesterday, we are reminded always to be in prayer for peace and justice to be restored to that land. We remember also our neighbors in Maui who are recovering from the devastating fires that took place there. We pray for all who lost friends and loved ones in those fires. We pray for all who lost homes and businesses and places of worship and for the devastation of that beautiful land. We pray that you would help us to open our minds and our eyes and our hands and our hearts and to give in whatever concrete ways we can so that healing and res restoration can take place in that beautiful place. We give you thanks, O oh God, for your great love and for the gift of your Son, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And now we bind all of our prayers up together in the words our Savior taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
Why does Jesus eat with sinners? Because God just can't bear the thought of having a party without you. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you.